Real stories, reliable information, the latest technology and news. Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. Oh, hello again, listeners. I'm here today with one of my favourite podcast interviewees. Is that the right word? And that's Dr. Jason Oates from Academy Face Body in WA and Crow's Nest. And today we're going to have a really, really interesting talk, one of my favourite topics. Um, we're, we're like talking about penises <laughs> because it's just, there's so many interesting things out there about them. Um, so today we're going to talk about... Uh, tell me if I say this right. Is it frenuloplasty? Yeah, that's the way, Trish. Oh. I'm good to speak with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice talking to you too. So, first of all, what is it? When I found out about this, it freaked me out. And and but having I have actually got a son who is now 21, but when he was younger, I kind of wondered about this kind of surgery and never kind of looked into it. I'm sure he's going to hate me mentioning this, but anyway, um, tell us about it. So, what actually is it? Okay. Well, to, to make it easy for people, um, a, a frenulum is a, a band of uh, skin, and the one that people are generally familiar with is underneath the tongue. So, if you were to lift your tongue up and have a look underneath in the in the midline, that that band of of, of tissue there that sort of holds the tongue in a bit uh, is called a frenulum. And so, when people have a condition called tongue tie. It's when that band of tissue is um, shorter, tighter, maybe thicker, and it can limit um, how far out you stick your tongue. Uh, and so we have a procedure uh, where sometimes we'll divide that um, uh, band underneath the tongue. Um, generally, even a really tight one doesn't cause much in the way of issues and doesn't cause uh, speech difficulties and pronunciation uh, difficulties. Um, uh, it's more licking ice creams uh, that, that it causes a problem with. And there is also a frenulum on the undersurface of um, the, the glands of the, of the penis. So really um, just below the, the, the meatus, the, the opening of the, of the penis, uh, there's a band of tissue that then goes underneath and joins up with the, the foreskin. And so... In uncircumcised men, that uh, tissue is there to, in helping with positioning of the of the foreskin. Uh, for men who are circumcised, it mostly gets excised with the uh, with the circumcision. Generally, it's not an issue, but like under the tongue, where it can be shorter, tighter, and thicker, then for some men that'll cause a problem. Yeah, I've actually heard because. Um... My brother, himself, he's also going to be really happy about me talking about this. But <laughs> when he was younger, he actually had um, a problem with it where it, it had actually, um, he, he was having a bath or something and he turned around and that, one of the bath crystals had got in and kind of cut that there. And like, that was actually a problem for him. So you were like, I, I wouldn't have even have thought of anything like that. And then um, my son as well, like being a single mum, he'd be like, Oh mum, I've got this problem. This hurts. Like, what do I do? I'm like, Oh my God, I have no idea. Like I haven't got I have no idea what to do, but there is a solution. And apparently, uh, tell me if I correct me if I'm right or wrong, but guys, guys who are uncircumcised are choosing just to have it done because it just, I don't know. It's, Less painful, or they can't. I don't know. So, is, is that true? 
So for, for most guys, it's not an issue at all and they don't have to do uh, anything about it. But uh, for the guys with a, a, a tighter foreskin, uh, during sex or um, any time when that foreskin can be retracted down, it can actually tear or create what we call micro tears. And it's a really sensitive area and it's very painful and uh, it becomes painful to the point where really sex is, is not possible. Anything which causes retraction of the foreskin becomes impossible. <clears throat> and I've met um, uh, young men, patients who have this as a condition, who like in their mid-20s uh, and have never had sex purely because of the fear of, um, of the pain of tearing the, the frenulum. And once it gets a tear, that creates a weakness where it'll tear easily every time thereafter. And most women have never heard of a frenulum. Uh, most men who have circumcised have no experience with it. Mm. And even most men uh, who are uncircumcised uh, have not had a problem with it, just have never heard of this as, as a problem. Uh, because it's um, something that sort of pops up with an, an intimate sort of uh, connotation and area, then guys uh, are very reticent to, to bring it up, to go and uh, speak to their doctors. And, um, you know, often the first time it, it pops up is when, a, you know, a boy is a, uh, a young teenager and, and first exploring that area. And they, they're really not wanting to go to mum when they're 13 years old. We don't uh, want them explain to do what that. Happened, how it happened. <laughs> and um, so it then becomes this hidden sort of problem that can continue on for, for years and years. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, it's actually um, relatively simple to, uh, to correct. Um, and it does involve uh, dividing the, the frenulum under, under local anaesthetic. Uh, sometimes we'll do it just with uh, local anaesthetic numbing cream, and that can be enough. Um, some guys who have a slightly thicker uh, uh, frenulum uh, or are really sort of nervous, uh, as well as using the cream, will inject just a little bit of local anaesthetic in there. Uh, and in our clinics, we use uh, radio surgery. So it's a, um, it's a device that sort of divides the, the skin and seals the, the blood vessels um, uh, all together in one go. And the idea is just to divide that, that frenulum down so that the, the foreskin can be retracted so that uh, when they're having sex that there's no pulling and tearing and, and pain. And, um, uh, and for guys who've had that as a problem, it is such a relief that um, they don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, and it's a really big deal. Uh, yeah. But it's something that actually is, is very quick and simple to um, to do. To, to fix. So can I, can I ask then, so like, once again, I'm going to go back to my brother, but only about the week or, or two weeks ago, he was actually saying to me that he'd wished he'd got his son circumcised when he was a baby because as you get older, you know, certain problems and, and, and the boys learning how to clean it and all that sort of thing. But for, for is it possible to just have this done just to kind of make it easier in that respect? Like, like, is it something that, that you could. So there's a, a number of, um, of, of elements there. So uh, certainly in the last few decades, obviously there's been a big swing 
against circumcision and just leaving things you know natural and as they as they are. And overall, I think that's probably uh, a good thing. And for, for most men, they're not going to have issues. Um, there are conditions um, known as phimosis and paraphimosis, which is um, more of a tightening of the, the skin at the, um, at the end of the foreskin. Uh, so it becomes difficult to, to retract or a major problem if it does get retracted. And... Uh, boys or men may require to have a circumcision then. Um, and it certainly has been shown that actually circumcision does decrease the transmission of sexually transmitted diseases, and especially HIV. Um, so there, there are some health reasons to perhaps suggest that, um, that circumcision uh, is something worthwhile and, and can, to be considered. I think I, I wouldn't necessarily jump in and, and be suggesting that all young boys should be getting circumcised uh, again. And I think most uncircumcised men don't require a, a frenulectomy. Um, but only if you're really having a, a, an issue. It, it does make it easier to retract the foreskin. And, and if there was an, an issue with hygiene, then potentially that would make it easier. Um, but otherwise, the guy's probably looking to go to a full circumcision. Yeah, right. Okay, even because I was, I was thinking to avoid that later on, is it worth, you, you know, like a 13-year-old boy, say, or a 15-year-old boy having it done? Oh. Know, just doing the frenulum kind of thing to avoid? I, I wouldn't be advocating automatically doing it um, unless they specifically had a had a oh, yeah. problem. Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. I meant if he was having problems, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If he was having a problem and if he yeah. found that the frenulum was causing pain, uh, then then absolutely, then that's, that's absolutely uh, fine because it will become more and more of uh, an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. And maybe, you know, like, because it's not just the option of, like, being circumcised or not being circumcised. There's kind of like an in-betweeny that's going to sort of, you know, fix the problem for someone who hasn't been circumcised. Yeah, yeah. So If, if there's a problem, of course. Yeah, yeah. So if they've got the problem, yeah, I, I, I have no hesitation in saying that, that the problem right. is a good treatment. In fact, it's the... The only treatment. Only, yeah. So, so how old would, would, like, at what age would you say that, and I know it's going to depend, but, like, would, would you say, no, nah, I wouldn't do this under someone who was, you know, younger than eight, or is there an age where, you, where you'd say, yep, he's old enough now to get this done? Uh, I'd probably be looking into the teens before looking at um, doing it um, because we're, doing it under, under local anaesthetic, we want somebody who's going to be um, old enough to be able to hold still while you're doing this. Um, and, yeah, for somebody who's younger, then I guess the question is, well, why do they have um, uh, that, that issue? But, yeah, anybody from their, their mid-teens onwards, um, if they've got that problem with the tearing of the frenulum, then, yeah, I think they're a perfectly good candidate to have it done. Kind of pretty much no matter what a well, teenagers have to be in their teen years, really. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. And and now they, when they understand what the treatment achieves for them, they'll probably really <laughs> want to have it done um, uh, once they get over the embarrassment of, um, of having mum or dad <laughs> come yeah. along with them and discuss this. Yeah. Are you the only one in the clinic that does it? Because I know that, like, my son, for example, would be like, nah, nah not having a, a bloke do it. He'd be like, I want... are you the only one there that does it? Um, in Perth, I'm the only one who does it. And uh, Dr. Scriven in uh, Crow's Nest in Sydney uh, is doing it. Um, I don't know whether a boy would be comfortable seeing uh, a woman to have that done. I thought they would be more comfortable seeing a man. Yeah, well, yeah, not my son, but then, you know, every, everyone is different, you know, like, yeah, you know, and maybe if it's, if it's, if it's actually because of reconstruction, you know, they might actually feel more comfortable with a bloke. But so the next question I was going to ask you is, so what, um, how long does it take? Well, the actual procedure only takes five or 10 minutes, really. Um, it's, it's surprisingly um, quick. Uh, and it's just, reassuring the guys at the start that it, it's numb and that we can um and that we can just get straight on and, and, and do it and it varies a bit um depending on uh how thick the, the frenulum is uh frequently we don't even have to put any stitches in at all um occasionally i'll put in just a couple of um very tiny uh, dissolving stitches uh because i think it just speeds up the, the healing um, but yeah, it's, it's a quick procedure. Uh, and then over the next week or so, um, it heals up. Um, we, we advise guys to, uh, give it a little bit of a rest <laughs> in the first um, couple of weeks. Yep. Um, but really the, yeah, there's not too much to it. Okay. And so, so they have the procedure it takes about, you know, I don't know, half an hour by the time you're in and out and then do you have to come back for the stitches to come out or no, so those are, are totally dissolving we do get um them back in a couple of weeks just to check that things are, are all healing up and comfortable um you know it's possible to get a little bit of swelling and, and bruising um and you know, it's probably within the realms of possibility to get infection so they're just got to be a little bit careful about um, showering and washing but because the the frenulum has been divided it, it does make it easier for them to um to wash the area yeah you get them to just gently retract the, the foreskin uh morning at night preferably sort of in the shower mm -hmm. um uh put a little bit of a, an antibiotic uh, ointment on it um and that just speeds up the, the, the healing um but yeah most guys actually find it the healing up of it is really quick and, and easy. Yep. And is any of this covered by Medicare? There is a small Medicare rebate, but it, it, it's not a lot. Yep. And what about private health? Is there anything back on private health? I guess it would depend on your fund. Like, is, is there an item number for it? So there's an item number for it, but okay. generally it's more expensive to go to hospital and, and do it there than it is to do. This is really an office procedure. Even though my office is a registered hospital um, for doing uh, medical procedures, um, yeah, if you go to a private hospital, that'll just make it more and more expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, and because it's something that's quick and simple in the office, uh, that's the best place to do it. Yeah, if you don't need to go under, you know, general. I mean, why why wouldn't you just, you know, have it done under local, really? Yeah. And a lot of guys sort of do sort of say, oh, 
can't I have it done under general anesthetic? I really don't want to be awake while you're down oh. doing that. Um, and it's only sort of once they had it and they go, oh, yeah, that's it. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. All, all done. And they go, oh, well, that was easy. Yep. Yep. No, that makes so much sense. And I mean, it's only, you know, like it's just like, it's only a little, little thing. I mean, it seems like it would only be a little thing. Just like a little thing. Like yeah, that's just a little thing when you're talking yeah. about this. Yeah. Area. <laughs> exactly. That's a very important thing. It is. That's true. All right. So that, well, that's really interesting because I have actually recently been asked that question by my brother, uh, you know, which was ironic. And then you mentioned about talking about that. I was like, what, what? There's something like this available. So I think what you said is so true is the fact that people don't even know that you can get this done. There's probably boys and young men out there that um, are just kind of, kind of living with it, not knowing that it's possible to actually have something done if you do have that problem. And it's such a, a typical male um, thing, but especially because it, the problem sort of rears its head, so to speak, um, in those early teenage years um, in a, a, an important developing sort of time uh, where talking about something like this it would be very difficult and then it gets hidden and it becomes this uh, chronic sort of hidden problem that they don't know who to talk to and... Yeah, so hopefully getting uh, the message out in a podcast like this will will help guys um, understand that it, there, there is a treatment and it's actually not that big a deal. Uh, come in and get it sorted out. Exactly. And even just so that, that, so that the guys don't think that they're um, abnormal or anything, because I know, uh, like I've heard, I don't know, but I've heard stories about, you know, the locker room talk and stuff like that um, with the guys. But even just to... For them to know that it's kind of normal, because if something like that was incorporated in, you know, in the school sex education programs, or whenever they do anatomy and physiology at school, or whatever, if they, you know, just to kind of, yeah, so let, let we, them know that you know there is something like this is a thing because people like even like my brother was just like, oh, I don't know what to do because you know this is happening with. You know, I mean, like, well, what do I do? And I'm like, Jesus, I don't know. You're asking the wrong person here, you know, but. But, you know, so I don't, I don't know what they do in sex education sort of now. Um, I, mean, I think when I did it like 35 years ago, there wasn't much to it apart from don't do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Order. Otherwise you go blind. <laughs> so, no, that, yeah. yeah. No, that's true. Oh, that's been so interesting. It's so good to just, um, you know, to know that, there is number one. There is something like out there, that out there. Sorry, number two that there, you know, that it is something that 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 you can do, that you can get done. And number three that it's actually not really that big a deal. You know what I mean? It's not like a major surgery. It's it's something that you can fix relatively easily. It's not a big deal, and it can really have a dramatic in, influence on someone's life. Hey. Yeah, and it's just like it, it's a, a sensitive area, so to speak, and it, it's an area where. Um, people develop enough hang-ups um, uh, already with all kinds of things. Um, and if we can take away, you know, one more concern in this area and just make them feel comfortable about their, their, their bodies and, um, and you know, not have this you know, huge concern about something in the area of, of, their, of their sexuality, then it's great to be able to help them. No, that's awesome. Well, oh, I've got to say, thank you so much again for your time today. That's been really, really interesting. I, I love our talks because they're always so interesting and they're so off off centre, for want of a better word. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it's just something that 
so many people don't know about. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's lots of doctors out there, you know, and, you know, they're thinking about heart disease and diabetes and, and, and smoking. Uh, and this is the sort of thing that never gets thought of and never gets raised. And, you know, maybe lots of doctors don't even know that there's this procedure available. Well, that's true so too. Yeah. If, if we can get the information out there to the people, then they yep. will, um, they'll come and find us. That's true, increasing awareness. Well, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. Good to speak to you. Look forward to talking again. Awesome. And listeners, so if you do want to find out about um, having this done, um, frenulectomy, I presume it's P-H-E-N. Actually, it starts. With an F. Yeah. Oh, how embarrassing. Oh, so how embarrassing. Okay. F-R-E-N-U-L-E-C-T-O-M-Y. Yes. Awesome. Okay. And, and otherwise, just drop us an email. Um, you can look up Dr. Jason Oates from Academy Face Body in um, Perth, or you can drop us an email to info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au. Thanks, Dr. Oates. Great, Trish. Talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. For more information, visit plasticsurgeryhub.com.au or email info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au. The material provided in this podcast is general information and does not constitute medical advice, nor is it a substitute for consultation and advice from your own practitioner. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical illness. Any medical or surgical decision should be made in consultation with your own doctor or practitioner and not based on the materials provided in this podcast.